My name is Kevin. I'm with Springfield Leather Company. This is Rusty, also with Springfield Leather Company. And this is I'm Denny. Same place. We, we've gotten some requests lately to do a video that talks about some of the things that can help a person be successful in leather business in the leather world. So we're going to do that. There's an old saying that you've probably heard. If you want to make a small fortune in the leather business, all you have to do is start with a big one. Now, you can take that for what it's worth. Here's some of the things in a nutshell. Avoid doing stupid stuff. The next point, try to do lots of smart stuff. Now I know, that's really simplistic, but it really comes down to a lot of what you need to do in order to be successful. So we're going to talk about basically five things today that help. We've got our notes. Hopefully we can stay on track. Those five things, in case you want to write them down, feel free. Humility, balance, attitude, judgment, and adaptability. So let's just start right off the bat with humility and balance. Those two things are a part of your attitude. And your attitude is what it's all about. Feel free to butt in. Well, I, you're right. I, you know, something that we didn't really talk about when we got ready to set this up was is not taking yourself too seriously. You know, and, and when I grew up, when I was growing up, people would say, oh, don't take yourself so seriously. I thought, I have no idea what you're talking about. But really, it comes down to your attitude, your humility, and, and all of these things kind of put together because, um, you know, it, it's going to determine how you react to things, especially the word no. That's a good one because I remember being told no when I started out in business. Um, I think the way we kind of word it is attitude don't determines... You what? Um, mm -hmm. Thanks. <laughs> Attitude determines, like Rusty said, how you react to the word no. It also determines how you're going to react to the word no. Right. And then it determines how you're going to react to the word not a way in the world. Attitude's important. I think the humility part is uh, right up there too. It, to me, humility and ego kind of have to offset each other. You have to you have to not not have so much ego that you won't do things that you don't want to do. You know, uh, a lot of times, it, if you're trying to make money at something, you have to do some things you don't want to do. That's fact. Well, that is true. And some of you out there that are old enough to remember back in 2007 or 8 when a lot of the stuff was crashing around here. And across the country, there were a lot of big businesses that were going under. They were run by very smart people. Well, just because you run a big business or any business, it doesn't mean you're smart. And a lot of people figured that out as they were slowly spiraling down the toilet. So, like Denny said, humility is a big thing because humility is what allows you to have the ability to change. Humility allows you to be modest. Humility makes so many other things work along the way. 
Well, and that's the that's the thing about these five, is is you might have a good attitude, and you might have pretty good judgment, but that doesn't mean that you're adaptable and that you're humble. And so, without one of those things, it's going to affect your success, and it's going to affect the way you get to where you want to get to. You know, one of the things that we have <clears throat> put into practice here at Springfield Leather is when we hire someone, we always ask every single potential employee <clears throat> if they could explain what the word humility means. And we use the example of pointing out someone and, and saying, now that individual is truly a, a person that is humble. How would you describe them? You would be amazed at the answers we get. And everybody, everybody that we interview, and it's been hundreds and hundreds of people over the years, will readily tell you that they're a humble person. And I'm sure that all of you that are watching this are humble people too. But it eventually comes down to, and it will come down to if you're in business, are you really and truly a humble person? You'll find out soon That's enough. Right. It's interesting when a person says that they're humble, but then they can't really explain to you what the word humility means. Yeah. It really helps you to appreciate that, you know, you're going to have to really get a big handful of this because you're going to be eating some of this here after a while. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've noticed that, you know, a lot of people talk about how humble they are, and those are the ones that are the least humble, it seems like. <laughs> I know. You know, our notes, we made the point that uh, this humility combined with balance and attitude helps you to deal with difficulties gracefully. Well, there's always no shortage of difficulties in life, and that's just the way it is. It's the way we deal with those issues that determines what sort of person we are. So give that some thought in your business. Well, in those difficulties, you know, under humility in these notes, we've got willingness to be wrong, which ne doesn't necessarily mean you want to get the short end of the stick every single time, but it means that when it comes around, you're going to deal with it better. You yeah, know, you, you know, don't maybe, necessarily have to take it every time, but... Maybe a better way to say that would be <clears throat> humility gives you the... It helps you to have the ability to be wronged when you are not wrong. Right. And humility is something that will enable you to apologize when you have done nothing wrong. Right. Or to apologize to a person simply because it's the right thing to do even though You've nothing to apologize for. Right. That's and where the judgment comes in. <laughs> right. Well, now, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that, Denny, because judgment, most people would have to agree, is critical in a business because you're constantly making decisions. That's what judgment is. It's decision-making. Successful people basically just make more good decisions than they do bad decisions. Probably, if you think about it, you can look around at the people you know and you, you can identify ones that don't make so many good decisions. You can probably identify the ones that do tend to make good decisions. Believe me, humility and balance are tied to judgment. Well, and the other thing in tying all of that in there is, is that if you do not have the humility to accept the fact that you did make the wrong decision, 
you're really pretty likely to be making some bad ones in the future along those same lines. That's true. You know, of these five points, attitude, humility, balance, judgment, and adaptability, we haven't talked about adaptability very much, but the world we live in is changing so fast. Uh, the example is the internet. I mean, my goodness. Well, the Amazon world. The Amazon world. We, we might not have to adapt our business to, to that, depending on what our business is, but more than likely, we're going to have to change continually and be willing to change, and some people are not happy changers. Well, in that adaptability, you, you've seen people and, and even big, big businesses that say, no, this is the product that I sell. Since I sell it, you're going to buy it from me. And that's just the way it's going to be. Not because I'm going to force you, just because I'm a big business and I have been here. You know, years ago when I started my first saddle shop, that's, that was the idea that I had. I was going to build a certain saddle. That's all I wanted to build because mm -hmm. I knew how to do that. But uh, it didn't work out that way because no one wanted that kind of saddle. <laughs> they always wanted theirs. And uh, I had to learn to do something different. Uh, and uh, I'm not saying I did well at my business, but if I wouldn't have uh, learned to do what the people wanted, what my customers wanted instead of what I wanted, I wouldn't have done well at all. Well, with that adaptability, Denny, it made me think, how many how many saddle shops did you try to, to open, or how many times have you been in business? I've yourself? had, basically, I had uh, two open shops and, and one at my house, at my farm. If, if I were to sit and say, I, I probably have tried to be in business two times for myself, for sure, and I was successful for a few years, you know, I could be, I, I did construction, in different forms for myself and I could I could have a five-year run but at that time it, everything was so affected by the economy and, and in the construction right. world you're not all that adaptable just because you can do a bunch of things doesn't make you adaptable necessarily you have to be willing to do those things and understand that your eggs in that basket don't necessarily get along all the time that's true you know one of the biggest things in starting a business. If you're going to run some sort of small leather craft business, you need to establish why you want to do this because it's a big deal. You have to have your priorities straight. Your priorities matter in life. You, you, you're setting priorities all the time. What do you want? Do you want to make lots of money? Do you want to have lots of nice cars? Do you want to take expensive vacations? Do you want a really fancy house? You have to decide all those things. And once you do, then you can start establishing a pathway to get those things. Well, I'll tell you what, and you, many of you probably know this already, it's a lot simpler to start a business with the goal of just being successful than it is to be rich, because that's hard. Right. It's not that you can't do it. You can. Well, I think they say that most businesses fail in five years. I think that was a statistic. That's true. The first five years. You know. But there's the, a lot of happens in the first five years. Right. One of the things that I found is it's really hard to start a bootstrap business. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. <laughs> start from nothing. 
And that that was my intention. I remember when I first started, you know, I was gonna build some bridles and some stuff and uh, people would buy those and then I'd buy some more material and every time I'd buy a little more. But it doesn't work that way. You, ha you have to make a living in the meantime. That's fact. Uh, it's hard to do it with nothing, so. You know, when most people do that, Denny, uh, and I was guilty of it as well. well. You start a business and you do whatever it is that you're going to do or you sell whatever it is that you're going to sell. And what do you do with the money? You know, all the money that comes in, you pay your bills with it, you, you pay a light bill, you buy groceries. You know, most businesses don't pay themselves right. first. Right. And that is a cardinal sin because you are not a business. And you may not want to hear this, but you're not a business if you don't pay yourself first. That's exactly what I did. I paid the electricity. My shop was at my house. So I paid the electricity, I paid the insurance, I paid my cell phone bill, you know, did all of those things. And I thought, I, since I'm doing this, I'm making a living or I'm being in business. But boy, when it came time to actually take a paycheck, that's a different matter because you know what a paycheck is? It's a regular expense. It's just like rent is a regular expense. It's like a telephone is a regular expense. Your business has to be able to support those at some time. And if it can't, then it's not going to succeed. I, I did the same thing you did. You know, I've, I've run a small leather business ever since the early 70s. And I got to a point where we decided when we were going to make Springfield leather work, we would have some high-powered business people come in, and they were going to provide us with some super smart stuff that I didn't know. Well, I discovered that these super smart people that were going to tell me all this stuff that I didn't know were telling me stuff that I already knew. <laughs> but one guy took me aside. And I never will forget this. He said, Kevin, you're doing everything right here. You got it going. You're going to make this work. But there's one thing that you're not doing, and you need to. He said, pay yourself first. And boy, did I learn a lesson. I took that stupid checkbook out of my back pocket that I was running the business on, and I set it aside. I went and got hired an accountant. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's the most expensive thing in the world I've ever done to, to do this. It worked. It just worked. Well, you know, along that lines, the, the vendor relationship that you create is firmly grounded when they get paid for the product that they've sent you. And so along those same lines, when you can pay your bills, oh. You know, you know, so maybe it establishes the, the paycheck that you get changes a little bit, but yeah. if what? you can't pay your bills, you're in trouble to begin with. <laughs> right. Well, think back, uh, you know, ten years ago to this, the, the economy. That's what happened to the leather world. Right. That is what happened to the leather business across the board in this country. They woke up one morning and they found out that they couldn't pay their bills. Well, you know what they did? I mean, I was there. I know what they did. They just uh, didn't. They didn't call their vendors and say, hey, we can't pay you right now, but we, we probably can in another two weeks. They didn't do that. 
And this just happened in the leather world across the board. Everybody from manufacturers to leather suppliers to tanneries. Wow, it was like a domino effect and people went out of business slowly but surely for the, the next year. Well, and you think about it, you know, they're in the same boat that you're in. Right. When you don't pay them, they can't pay wherever they're getting it. Exactly. Or if they're making it. So they're really in the exact same yeah. boat. And so when you make that phone call, it's the hardest phone call I have ever made to say, you know, Bob, I'm sorry. This fell through. I, I didn't make it. I, I'm going to have to make some arrangements. But I'll tell you what. Even though I haven't been in business for myself in the construction world for over 10 years, I still speak to those people from time to time, you know, and I still have a good relationship with those same people. And when we've done our remodel projects around here, I'm able to call upon that. Mm -hmm. You know, That's a lot a, of that is pay your bills and pay my bills. <laughs> you know, it's such a good point because most people that start out a business of their own, they truly do not have a grasp of how important vendor relationships are. I mean, here at Springfield Leather, I cannot imagine even trying to run this place without the, the good vendors that we have. You know, uh, Herman Oak being a classic example and some others, we would not have that giant splitter if it weren't for Herman Oak. We, and, and they looked out for us. Now, why do they do that? Well, and that's what I was gonna kind of transition into is, is when you have that relationship with those vendors, then you can go and talk to them and say, this is what I want. How can we make this work? This is what I need. How, you know, and so basically it becomes a two-way street. Because if you can solve their problem that they didn't even know they had or you didn't know they had, then they're going to be that transparent as well right. and begin to work back. Yeah, you know, we have a, a vendor in, on the East Coast that supplies leather, certain leathers to us. Not a huge amount, but, but it's substantial, I guess. And from time to time, as you know, we get customers that call us and they want to buy a large quantity of the leather that we buy from this supplier. Uh, they'll want to buy two, 3,000 feet. Well, my instinct is to just give him the name of your supplier because he can sell it to him much less money than you would have to sell it to him for. You're going to make a friend of the customer. You make a friend of your vendor. Wow, that is an incredible chain of events that yeah. just flat works. And I've had those, those suppliers call me and say, Kevin, why are you not selling the leather to this individual? Is he not trustworthy? said, no, no, he's good. Uh, so why don't you sell it to him? I said, if this guy's going to be successful, he needs to buy the leather for less money than I can sell it to him for. Right. It's all about making other people successful. Right. Wow. And, and a lot of people listening to us now are thinking, well, gosh, you guys are talking about big business. I'm just going to be a small business. That's not true. It works the same way. Exactly. Exactly the same way. I remember... When I had my shop, you know, I thought I was big deal when I bought a whole ten-side roll of leather for Herman Oak, you know. But it was a big deal. It was a big deal to them. I always heard back from them, you know. When, when I uh, and a lot of times, you know, I would just need one side of something, say a side of Latigo. And I remember Marion, the lady that I always dealt with there. Uh, 
She said, I'll tell you what, I'll send you a sample size. How does, <laughs> how does that? Yeah. And she always made things work for me because we had a good relationship. Yeah, the, the vendor relationships are one of the most important things that we've probably discussed here right. this morning. And we could go on and on about that, but there's, there's a, a lot of other things we can discuss too. I remember uh, in speaking with some of those vendors, I was scared to death to order certain quantities of leather because man, there's a lot of zeros at the end of that, that number on the check. And for me, three zeros was a lot. And I won't forget the time I wrote one with four zeros on it. And I'm thinking, holy cats. So I, I told this one particular vendor, I said, look, I know you give me 30 days. I'm just telling you right up front, I might need to split this invoice into two payments. And the, the across-the-board response to that was, no problem, Kevin. You've been paying your bills. Do this. You need a little extra time. Take it. I never took that extra time. Never. We always paid them up front. And boy, the benefits of that have been incredible. Yeah. You know, that same transparency with the vendor also translates with the customer. And, yeah. and what you're saying it, it was transparency in the fact that you were being transparent and saying it would be smarter for you to talk to this person and buy it directly from them. Now, uh, you wouldn't necessarily in a saddle shop say, well, you know, I'm going to charge you X number of thousand dollars to build you that saddle, but Bob down the street will build it for cheaper. That's not the same thing. No, it's not. And, and there's times when you don't want to do that. A good example for us and who, whoever is considering their business here, they have to think about these things and make these decisions. But for us, when a customer calls and wants 3,000 or 4,000 feet of a certain leather, I'm pretty happy to tell them where they can get that. But unfortunately, you can't always get it in this country. Well, and that's the other thing, is all the other chances you take. Yes, so you would be possibly doing someone a disservice right. if you weren't careful. I'll tell them where to buy it out of the country, but you better be prepared. Well, and I'll tell you, I learned that lesson several years ago with a, with a pallet of double shoulders. And we brought the entire pallet in it ends up somewhere in Chicago or something in a warehouse for months. When we finally get it, it had been busted open. It had more tire tracks from forklifts on it than I've ever seen. And and you just here's it's there. There it is. You got a deal. Thousand dollars worth of leather, you know, or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, but you know that transparency with the customer also comes back around in a sense of I've got folks that I talk to on the phone, and I might talk to them once a week. And you know, I've been talking to those same folks for four or five years, and I'm not 100% sure they've ever bought anything from us. But here's the thing, I don't personally mind being the guy that can tell you where to get it. That doesn't mean I'm telling you where to go, but I don't mind telling you where to get it. And I think that you actually add a lot of value to those folks and, and have a lot of value to those same people. Well, you know, that's, that goes back to balance, <coughs> yes. Rusty. That's what it exactly goes to, and humility being willing to, to extend yourself in ways that most people aren't. People value those things today. They, they want to be around people that are balanced, that have a sense of humility, They're, and that they, they make good judgments. They want those things. One of the things that goes along with those things is the ability to solve problems. Right. 
I think when we were discussing this the other day, you mentioned the fact that uh, a businessman needs to be a good problem solver. Well, let me tell you, a businessman really needs to be a good problem solver. It's not so much the solution to the problem that counts as it is the identification of the problems. And people, sometimes they don't get that quite in the right context. When somebody comes into our store, I view that as they have a problem. Otherwise, why would they come here? They don't just wake up in the morning and say, oh, let's go to Springfield Leather and right. walk around. Actually, there are a few of them. <sighs> okay, but <laughs> mostly, mostly, they come in because they need something. If somebody has a need, that's a problem, right. and we get to solve that. But the better you are at identifying needs and problems, the more successful your business has the potential to be. Well, yeah, because even internally, you need to be a problem solver. You need to be identifying what's <clears throat> going on. Hey, sales aren't all that great. What can I do? You need to be identifying that. And then at the same time, you've got the customer that comes in and they have that issue. You, you hopefully can either identify. How, how, many, how many businesses, small businesses, do you think that we have seen attempt to start up in the past 10 years? I couldn't count. I couldn't count them either. That's, Leather crafters all want to start a business. That's something I, that I want to <coughs> say. Uh, a lot of people say, I want to open up a leather shop. They don't realize they have to be in business. They can't just work for a living. They have to be in business. Right. Uh, and that was one of my problems. I remember uh, I, didn't, I didn't want to be a businessman. I just wanted to work and do what I did. You right. know? You know, that, that has been discovered by so many people that it's, it's hard to convey that to our audience. Uh, I don't know how many of our good customers could do leather work, do good work. And, oh, they gotta have a shop, gotta have a shop, gotta get out of their garage, they don't have the room, and the next thing you know, they've got this little place that they're renting, yep. and then they're paying a phone bill, and then they're paying a heat bill and a light bill, and six months down the road, you know, it, it, it's just like a cookie cutter thing. You see them, all of a sudden, they're taking every single job they can possibly take. Well, they're got to. Got to. They're spending the money to pay the light bill that's overdue. And it's just a downward spiral. Got to, man. I've got well, to, what you, if it doesn't come in tomorrow? Yeah, you've got to turn a hobby into a business if you want it, if that's what you want. You know, the hardest you know, thing is to say no, though. Well, that's true. And just go back to what we've been talking about. First thing, pay yourself first. They weren't doing that. They weren't paying themselves first. They weren't being balanced. They didn't have enough humility. You know, and, and what you said about being able to say no, you know, that's an incredible talent. I wish I had more of that. I wish you did too. I can tell I think you about. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, when you say no, you avoid a lot of trouble. Oh my gosh. Because here's, here's something that happens. You, you're hungry, you need a job, some guy comes to you, they've got this project they want you to do, and oh, you'll take it. I gotta have 50% though down because it's expensive. So you do it, three weeks later, you're a week behind in your deadline date, but three weeks later, you give the guy the project, and what's he say? It's not what I had That's in mind. That's not what I had in mind. You know, I, 
I think I just want my money back. <sighs> if you get into business and you can't say no when you should, you're not going to be in business long. Well, and I'll tell you, there's there's two ways that I've looked at it. I, I won't mention him by name, but a, a very talented leather crafter told me one time, the problem that I had was is that I couldn't see all the problems I was going to incur doing the project. Yeah. And it was because I didn't have the experience that he had. Now, I can look at that motorcycle seat and I can say, I'll figure it out. And I can't tell you how many jobs I've taken on because I'll figure it out. And eventually, I did figure it out. And fortunately, I had a job at the same time because I sure wasn't making any money off of that. Well, but it's not terrible when you're able to tell a person, you know, I've never done this. I would like to try it. Here's what I think it would be. But you're, that, you've entered a whole different realm there. That's oh. not being in business. That's not making money. That's getting paid to learn. Yes, and, and that is a different thing. But when you are in business and you do take that job, if you want to be successful, you darn sure better have enough money in the bank to give it back to that customer when he comes back three weeks later right. and the stitching has come out and he's unreasonable and he doesn't want it fixed. He just wants his money back because this is shoddy workmanship, blah, 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 well, blah. Well, goes back to humility. You better be ready to lose. You better be able to afford to fail. Exactly, and balance. So if you're in business and you don't have enough money to support the mistakes that you're inevitably going to make, you've got a problem. Well, and here's the other thing is, is this is experience. This is not, this is not we're reading from a textbook. We've no, done it, this. it is experience. <laughs> well, you, you know, a lot of people... Uh, will we'll say, okay, I need a deposit, a non-refundable deposit. And then something goes wrong like you were just talking about and the customer comes back and wants his money back. You know, that's... You know, it, there's, there's two sides to that fence, but it's also goodwill if you say, yes, sir, I will give you your money back. I realize that's not what you wanted. Here's well, my best, it, you know. not to, I'm sorry no. to interrupt, but one thing, Danny, you, you touched on something that's really important. A good business, in a good business, there is no such thing as a non-refundable deposit. It does not exist. If you think it does, and if you think you're going to pull that stuff, Welcome to civil court. It's, <laughs> it's not going to work. <laughs> Eventually, that will fall through the cracks. Well, you know, and, and even in a large business or a larger business that we've become over the, the past few years, if we have a customer that comes to us and they want us to develop a product for them, and so we develop the product with them, we help them get it lined out, and then they say, okay, I want 10,000 of these. I don't have any problem in that setting saying, okay, I want you to realize this is going to take 20,000 feet of leather. I'd like a little skin in the game from you. Mm -hmm. That's being done with the ability to say, okay, here's your skin in the game back when, right. it, when it didn't work out. But in that, in that setting, you're not, you're not necessarily taking that money so that you can go and pay the light bill or go to McDonald's for lunch. You're taking that so that they're committed. And yes. so... So there's a difference, in, a different way of thinking right. there. You know, you want somebody who is producing something to be as committed as you are to getting it. Right. That's true. And you know, in order for a lot of this stuff to work, and all that, what you just said, employs balance and humility 
and your attitude. It just, uh, those things apply right across the board. But you know, we haven't talked about identifying your market. Fact. That is something that is difficult for a lot of people today. And it was difficult for me starting with Springfield Leather because the internet world, it was there, but the leather world was not really quick to jump on that. That's what I was gonna say, that the, the world 10 years ago is so much different than the right. world today in where you can find your market. Because yes. if you set up a shop, and we literally in this same shopping center, we've seen businesses come in and you set up a shop and you're gonna do this and you feel like you're a niche market. You know, there's 160,000 people in Springfield. Or do you know how hard it is to get 160 people out of that 160,000 to notice you and to come in? It's a lot. <coughs> and so you, and you've even got, you've even got people who are, well, hey, I've been doing this forever. And, and on the, but you've got to get in front of them. On the flip side of that coin, everybody that does leather work and wants to sell it, they, they, they've got this plan. So, yeah, we're going to get a website. How, how have we heard this? You know, I, yeah, we make this, we do a good job, we're selling them to friends and family and blah, blah, blah. We're going to get a website. Well, let me tell you, it goes back to balance and humility and attitude because it just is not that easy. I want to ask Denny a question. Uh-oh. I've got a website. Do you? I do. Do you have a computer, Denny? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> But, but I have one, but I do not know how to use well, it. Well, and that's the other thing is, is that you have you cannot assume that your market is this guy, one hundred and fifty thousand times. That's right. You know, and so you, we still deal with folks that they wanna they wanna catalog. Mm -hmm. They wanna sit down and circle all the things that they want, and they yep. wanna pick up the phone and they wanna write a letter, and that is absolutely fine. But when you're identifying your market and then you're trying to get them in front of it. You can have all the websites you want, but if you don't have a way to get people to, to look at your it. website, yeah, you haven't done a thing. Well, and and that's one of the things that you guys have done so well here. You you have both a local market and a website market. We have great people doing stuff yeah. for us. Yeah, because I can't do it. I agree, <laughs> but but you've taken the bull by the horns and and done that. Actually, done that. You aren't depending on the store downstairs say you know what that's a good point and it touches on something else because it's pretty easy to get into the mindset of being able to make this and that and this and I can sell those things but really diversity plays a huge part in leather businesses today right. the more diversified you can become the less chance you have of one big customer going through a crack somewhere in the woodwork and leaving you hanging. I cannot get out of my mind during this conversation, and it isn't even something we brought up when we sit down and discuss this idea. I cannot get out of my mind the last eight years with the holster industry Ugh. because everybody and their brother is, is wanting to make a holster. And that's great. And, and so many of those businesses that we've seen, that are people that we've seen try to become a business even, have been related to the holster and, and gun well, industry. Rusty, let's talk about this in the sense of problem solving. Because <clears throat> so many people that made holsters, they got their tax return back and they bought a heavy stitcher. Right. 
and that allowed them to stitch a holster. But what did they fail to take into account when they were going to make these holsters and now they don't have to hand stitch them anymore. They can stitch them up on a heavy stitcher and they can stitch a lot of them. Who are they going to sell them to? That's one. And the other thing is, how do they cut them out? That was a huge, huge deal. Just because you can sew it faster doesn't mean you can necessarily produce it faster. No, and you know the machine... And the learning curve on a sewing the, machine. The sewing machine is one thing. A sewing machine will make you money. There's an advertisement. Uh, but most people don't want to buy a clicker press. Right. And a clicker press can make you a lot of money just as easily. So when the holster market hit, and we were getting bombarded with demands for leather for the holsters, people were buying them. The next thing you know, they're saying, do you know anybody that can sell us these parts pre-cut? Well, yes, we do. How many holster parts have we cut in the last five years? Oh, tens of thousands. Tens of, it, yeah. it's a lot. You know, and, but that, now that's a good point though, is, is this goes back to your vendors. And your problem and, solving. And your problem solving and having a relationship where you can appreciate the benefit to sourcing labor. So I don't want to spend $10,000 on a clicker press. I don't want to spend the $10,000 with the city utility so that they can bring three phase power in. I don't want this 5,000 pound machine sitting in my living room. So you have to have a balance and use discernment in figuring out that just because you add a little bit of money per unit, your time is very, very valuable. It goes back to identifying those problems, solving them, and using balance. Because like you said, if you can buy that part, oh, it might double the cost of your part, but well, you don't have to. Yeah, well, you don't the, have to fool with it. It just yeah, comes to you is, in a box. You, you were talking. To, you were talking just a minute ago. You know about they were having to hand cut all these parts. You know how much time and money were they losing for each part that they hand well, that cut? That goes back to as, as opposed to as opposed to having someone else just click well, the part out for fifty. Yeah, you're exactly correct. And when you go back to those five points that we talked about, attitude, humility, balance, here's one, judgment, <laughs> the ability to to make the decision that this is what I need to do. Here's the the last one, adaptability. Man, I gotta stop trying to cut those things out with that stupid exacto knife. All right. Well and that, and that's the thing is is okay, you're paying yourself. Are you paying yourself seven dollars an hour or are you paying yourself three dollars an hour based off of how many hours you've really got in that and that's a really hard thing to do is to really evaluate and honest and be honest with yourself as far as is this making what i think it's making yes and and so you know in doing that you're still identifying those things but I that's a cost that goes into the product right and oh. if if your sales and your product sale can't justify that then you have to there it is you have to be able to adapt right there it is you have to be able to make a judgment you have to be able to be balanced my, you have to have enough humility to be balanced right my, and my thinking when i mentioned the holsters is boy gun shows they're everywhere and they, they have them every six months or whatever but you know you can lay out 25 different holsters on the table you're never going to have the right one anymore. It's like trying to make a cell phone case. You're never going to have the right pattern. But if you have some key rings, maybe some wallets, 
maybe some knife sheaths, something that you can kind of generate a little bit of sales with, it does two things. One, you made a sale, and two, it's advertisement. Even though they paid you $4 for a key ring that you had stamped something in or you had dyed or whatever, you've advertised to them. And it's those little things that really can make it to where you can sell that saddle that you want from time to time and still pay the light bill. Or it does make a, a big difference, you know, and that touches on something else that we haven't really discussed, and that's how to price your work. Oh, that's Leather crafters are notorious for asking that question. How do you price your work? What do you think this is worth? Yeah, uh, well, the question is, what do you think it's worth? That's, well, that's called judgment. <laughs> right. That's called making a judgment, and it's called being balanced, and it's called being adaptable. Because you can say, well, I've got I've, I've got ten dollars in this. I got to get it for I got to sell it for twenty. Uh, with my time, my everything, my materials, everything in it, I've got ten dollars in it, so I got to sell it for twenty. Well, that's not unreasonable as long as you can't go down the street and buy it for 15 bucks. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's the same as if you were going to buy or sell a house, you have to have it appraised. And the way they appraise the house is to see what other houses yeah. of the same caliber in that same area sold for. Do you know what this goes back to? It goes back to problem solving. Because when you, it's one thing to say, I've got 10 bucks in it, so I've got to sell it for 20. It's a totally different issue when you think it through and say okay I'm gonna have 10 bucks in this I'd really like to sell it for 20 but the problem is that you can buy it for 17 bucks everywhere so what if I would sell it for 15.99 and just sell a lot of them uh, but mine's all handmade Kevin I, you just don't understand how much effort I've put into mine no, I, I don't care. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do understand. And that's a good point. But you've got to make that judgment. Right. You've and there's got, a time and a place. There is a time and a place. And you've got to be adaptable enough to say, well, oh my gosh, mine's handmade. I mean, I hand stitch these things. Okay. That was you a can, decision you made. Well, <laughs> you can still go down the street and buy it for three bucks less than you want to sell it for. So you have to identify that sort of problem and determine what you want to do about it. But we were talking about it the other day. You can make your product worth more money if you give people actually more than what they pay for. That's you, true. If you go above and beyond, you will do more value for yourself and for your customer than you can ever imagine. The problem that you have, though, that I think would be my biggest thing that I would want to identify is, is it is handmade. It is worth $20. You know it's worth $20. You know it's worth $20, but she isn't going to pay it. Fine. Do I be balanced and I say, let's sell it for cheaper and try and sell more of them? Or do I say, no, you know, I just want to stick with that, but here's some other things that I can make that I can be selling while I'm go. waiting for yep. that to sell. And, and that's a good point. But you touched on something else, and that's always give people a little more than they're expecting to get oh, if you absolutely. can. And basically that comes down to customer service, hopefully, many issues. What was the example you <coughs> gave about when you did a repair on a side? Oh, yeah, when people people used to bring a saddle in for some kind of a repair, a new pair of stirrup leathers or whatever, but when when I did it, I would always clean saddle soap and give the saddle a little shot of oil and make it look good, and people always appreciated that. They weren't paying for it, right? But they got it, and, well, and their saddle looked good. They 
they in, got what in they that for. situation you don't always have to explain it but when you do go above and beyond he the did. most important thing is to let them know that is a fact let them know that you went above and beyond don't say well you know i went above and beyond obviously but you might say you know i noticed a spot over here so i went ahead and changed that rivet right. out while I was if there. we if we, in our mail order business here we oftentimes will send somebody a better piece of leather than they paid for but we try hard to let them know in a note hey i sent you a, a little a piece of leather that was better than what you ordered but we charged you the same price you know uh or even a even, <coughs> even a half foot or even a foot more sometimes that happens the all the time we give away a half a people don't realize that we give away a half a square foot on 50 orders a day that's a substantial amount for us but you know, I like to use the example of the way that we have convinced a lot of people to use Herman Oak leather. Yeah. You know, we've had customers come in over the years, oh, I buy my leather, my tooling leather from so-and-so or whoever, and it's pretty good, I like it. And I've been wanting to try that Herman Oak, but it's so darned expensive, I just can't bring myself to do it. I, you know, my first thing is to go cut them a half or a, or a whole square foot of a piece and give it to them and say hi. Try this, let me know what you think. And you know how many customers we've converted and they're happy about it. It's the same way with, with other products. You know, I've always used this snap here. Well, try this one. These people are, are spending money. If the, the more you approach your business with the idea of making your customers successful, yep the better chance you have of success. That goes back to problem solving, not yours, problems that your customers have. That's whose problems you solve. Then you make good judgments. You establish goodwill. You have and balance. The establishment of goodwill, you don't ever understand the gravity of it until you see it come back around. And some of that is, is if you walk in down here and, you know, I just need to, I just need a hole punched in my belt. I, I bet we've punched more holes in, in belts one time mm -hmm. than ever before. But when you punch that hole, I didn't I didn't know you guys were here. I just was driving by and seen the sign and thrills to death. Yeah, thrills you know, to death to get punch a hole. A hole. What do I owe you? Oh, nothing. Setting a snap, <clears throat> those sort of things, you know. But you know what happens though is is you you. <clears throat> If you, if you provide a service for them and you charge them, that's absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with that as long as you were, you know, not robbing them blind, hopefully. But at the same time, it's a little bit different when there was goodwill involved because now they're going to come back that's, and, and find out what else you can do for them. That brings up something else. In business, you want to have a product or at least have a reason for people to come back you don't want them to be there one time and never see them again. Yeah, I don't want to take a dollar from a million people. Yeah. No. <laughs> you know? Now, I, I, want to, I want to do something for you and I, though, here, Denny. <clears throat> you know, Kevin, one of the very most important parts of, of running a business as it grows is surrounding yourself with good people. You know, I keep telling myself that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to work on that. see if you can't find But but you are absolutely correct. And we're very fortunate here to be surrounded with good people. And that is extremely difficult to do. It is hard to find because it goes back to what we first talked about. Everybody says they're humble. Right. But 
it's just not always the case. I'll tell you that uh, a luxury that I know we have, because I have experienced it personally, not, tell, not saying I'm a good person, but Springfield Leather, we work very hard at playing to our employees' strengths. Yes. We Let them establish themselves, and you'll find out that you've got way more than you thought you were going to get. And you can put them where they want to be in the organization. But, you know, that's, a, that's an aspect of business that has employees. A lot of our customers don't have that luxury. They might have one person. Maybe their wife working for them, or their husband working for them, or, or something of that nature. So I thought maybe we could just sort of summarize this a little bit. Going back to the very beginning, the attitude that we have, that's where all businesses start and end. You've got to have a grasp of what goes in to having a good attitude to run a business. Some of the things that work for that, probably the biggest one is humility. And I would like to relate a, a brief story. Uh, a large company that I was associated with a long time ago employed a motivator to come in and motivate the employees for sales. And he said there was one quality that the best salespeople in the world have. And he let all the audience guess there was 300 people there. There was only one person in that audience that knew the answer to that question. One. The answer was humility. It's got a little note here that says, ego is not your amigo. That's true. You, can, you need to be willing to be wronged even when you're not wrong. The next thing was balance. I don't know, you could flip a coin between balance and humility. Man, they're, they're just stuff you've got to have to run a business. If you don't have that, you'll find out soon enough. <laughs> it hits your wallet. Judgment, basically you just need to be right more than you are wrong. That's pretty helpful. And then you got to be adaptable. What else am I missing? Do lots of smart stuff. Don't do stupid stuff. Well, pay attention when you're doing stupid stuff because there is no better teacher, <clears throat> unfortunately, that sticks quite that well. Pain is a great motivator. <laughs> <laughs> So's hunger, you know. <laughs> well, be a good problem solver because <clears throat> that's, that's something that's uh, going to affect the success of your business greatly. Pay your bills. Have good vendor relationships. That's right up there. Have at good the customer relationships. That's top. Yes, but boy, when you got your vendors working for you. Well, wow. that's a fact, you know. But that humility comes back to you know dealing with the vendor, dealing with the the customer, one and the same. Right. Because without either one of them, you're not doing business. Well, that's you're going to be both. <laughs> you're going to be a vendor and a customer. Yeah. That's fact. You know. That's fact. So, so I don't want to bore our people to death. We've talked a while. Anything? Well, hopefully it was helpful. I hope so, too. Me, too. We're good. We're done. Bye. Adios.